22:12, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 16 goes on to say, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I just saw a picture in my mind of a gravestone with the birth date of the person and the place for the death date of the person. This person is still alive, but there's a dash between those two dates, a hyphen, as it were. And that's where our lives are. We're living in the hyphen. We're living in the dash. And I think this is significant for someone because of the, maybe the fear of death or maybe you've gotten a death sentence by a doctor or something or, or you feel like giving up. But then I saw that horizontal dash be crossed by a vertical line. Do the cross intervenes, although there may be a death date for your physical body, if your dash is crossed through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never going to die spiritually. You are an eternal soul. You'll be with Him. And the Bible says, the Spirit says, the Bride says, we are made up of the Bride. And those who hear say, come, come and take of the water of life freely. This water gives eternal life. This water gives a reason for living. This water gives hope and faith and love. Lord, I just pray right now, if that's you, just, just lay your hand on your heart. Lord, I pray that you bring healing from the fear of death. I pray, Lord, that you bring meaning where there has been no meaning. Lord, maybe there's been a loss and the person feels, why should I go on? I pray, Lord, that you would cross their dash today and bring them hope with life. Lord, may they come to you with all of their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We are rounding the bases today, heading home. On January 1st, we were first base. God is first, the preeminence of Christ. Last Sunday, we were second. I am second. He is first. Today, we're rounding third base. Could think of no one better to share this than Greg Harrell and his lovely wife, Marietta. Can we give them a hand? Thank you, Pastor Allen. Good morning, Generations Church. Good morning. Oh, okay. If you're in fifth grade or younger, you can be dismissed to your class. <laughs> Thank you, Trey. All right. Good, good morning, Generations Church. Happy Renew Year. Renew. I just have a feeling that somebody in this room, somebody that's listening to this word a little bit later, uh, is going to experience the renewal that God wants to bring. Amen? Amen. Amen. So um, I'm going to introduce you to my wife, Marietta, my blessing. Happy to have her, and we're going to pray over this word real quickly. 
Lord, I just thank you that, uh, that as we present ourselves to you, Father, that you speak to us, Lord. I, my prayer in the name of Jesus this morning is that Marietta and I will get out of your way and let you speak through us, Father God. And Lord, I pray for each and every hearer of this word, Father. Prep them, soften their hearts in Jesus' name. Do what you will. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as Pastor Allen said, it's the third Sunday of the new year, or what we call, at my house, we call the third Sunday of the new year the day that we try to figure out who else to root for in the NFL playoffs. (laughs) Is anybody getting that? Anyway. All right. (laughs) All right. You better turn on the... uh, I'm going to give it to Marietta. Okay. Well, uh, last week, Pastor Allen spoke, I mean, sorry, two weeks ago, Pastor Allen spoke on Jesus is first. And he talked about the preeminence of Christ and that we each have a choice. The only place Jesus isn't first is in your heart, unless you choose to make him first. Okay? So, He talked about, that was our first week of the new year. And then last week we heard Jeff Ferris bring a powerful message about really positioning ourselves as second in regards to Christ being first and and what that really means to us in regards to our lives, a very practical message. And in order to accept that uh, Christ is number one in my life, I have to realize and accept that I am number two, right? Okay. So this week, we're going to talk about relationships. All right. And, and the Bible says in Isaiah 28 um, that the word of the Lord is actually being passed down to us. The Lord is speaking to us line upon line, precept upon precept. A little here, a little there. It's kind of an interesting passage, but that's exactly what we're doing today. So we're building on the truth that Pastor Allen preached on the first Sunday, the, the truth that Jeff Ferris preached on the second Sunday, and therefore... So in relationships, I am number three. <laughs> I am third. So... Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2. Pretty easy to find. Praise God. I just want a little disclaimer here. Um, although this message is preeminently going to focus on marriage, marriages, um, the truths that are spoken here today, I can tell you, have application to every relationship that you might have. So... You can apply these truths to any relationship, although we'll focus on marriages. Right. So, um, I'm going to come over here and talk to the youth for a minute, because you all seem to congregate here. But if you are a young person in Miss Yvette's youth group, our wonderful youth leader, would you please stand up? Is this awesome? If you're over here, please stand up. Okay. Even though we're talking about marriages today, this pertains to you. And I want you to apply it to your current relationships, your friends, your mom and dad, your teachers, your coaches, 
other people in your life. Um, but you need to hear the truth about marriage. And the reason you need to hear it is because our society, our world, has devalued marriage so far that there is no value to it anymore. There's absolutely none. Just a few, just my generation, my parents would never have thought to be divorced. You know, would not have thought. And today, people enter into marriage thinking, ah, if it doesn't work, I'm going to get divorced. So I am challenging every, each and every one of you in here and your generation to take back marriage and the value of what it is in our society today. Because if you guys don't do it, it's fine. You have a tremendous responsibility on your shoulders. But I was there your past Wednesday night at youth, and I believe that you can step into this. Thanks. Okay, we can go on now. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to ask you to in many ways change your perspective just like God calls us to change our perspective in so many ways. We're going to address three areas where we want you to change your thinking, change your perspective on things in regards to marriages. And the Lord God said, "It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make for him a helper." comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, wow, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We've all heard this passage time and time again, whether it's in, during a wedding ceremony or you've, you've read it as part of the creation story, certainly, since you were from when you were a little kid, most likely. Um, here's the thing. When we're looking at this passage, we need to remember that, that marriage is the first God-ordained covenant. We see it at work right there. Uh, God created man, and, and in, in, the, in the story of creation, we only see one area that, that God says that this is not good, and it is it's not good for man to be alone, and then we see God step into that and begin to correct that by creating woman. So what we need to remember, particularly as we talk about a one-flesh relationship, is that God created the two of us in his image. Okay? We are each reflections of God's character. And when we talk about a one-flesh relationship, we're talking about a reconnecting, a coming back together of the two into one body or one flesh, literally. Okay? So here's some truths about marriage. Number one is that marriage is the first God-ordained covenant. God uses marriage as an illustration of the relationship between Christ and the church. 
In Ephesians 5, you see that Paul writes that this is a great mystery, but when I'm talking about the, 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 the two becoming one flesh, I'm talking about the same picture that happens in um, as Christ is the bridegroom and coming back to get the church, that is, his bride. Also, God uses uh, uh, the, the picture of marriage in terms of talking to his people, Israel, in the book of Malachi as well. He talks about that, you know, we are married. So uh, God sees marriage as a very important thing. One of the things that we tend not to do much anymore, even in the church, and it's unfortunate, is we tend not to base our marriage relationship on this word, which is full of truth about how God wants us to behave in relationship, particularly in our marriage relationship. But we tend to really behave as if the standard is the world. And as Marietta talked in, to the youth just a minute ago, that is not the standard. That is not the truth. We need to judge. We need to be, be guided in regards to our marriage by what is contained in this all-important instruction manual. Amen. Today, we're talking about changing your perspective. And that's what we want to talk about. So go ahead, Pete. About marriage. Change your perspective about marriage. Jesus has to be the center of your marriage if uh, you're going to have a strong marriage. The world tells you if you're not happy in your marriage to leave. But I looked, and I looked, and Greg looked, and, he, and we, lo- we spent the whole week looking, and we couldn't find that in the Word. <laughs> we looked everywhere that if you weren't happy, you get to leave. Nowhere did it say God wants you to be happy in your marriage or you can leave. Okay. Now, his, his call is for you to be happy in your marriage. You don't get to leave. Okay. So um, you have to change your perspective, right? We're going to challenge you to u- utilize the power of unity in your marriage I would say that marriage is a lot like our own experience in regards to Jesus. If we ask Jesus to come and be a part of this one flesh relationship that we have, he will come. He will be a part of this. He will be a part of our, of our one flesh relationship. And that brings unity. And the Bible says that in a lot of places, unity is good. As a matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that a threefold cord or a, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And it's talking about uh, two people, and then it, it refers to a threefold cord. Well, who is that third entity, that third strand? None other than, in this particular case, Jesus. And it, Jesus brings strength. Jesus brings unity in our relationship. So we're going to challenge you to change your perspective to study the word on your own, um, the, the New Testament says that the Bereans were, were better than the others because they went home and they searched the word to see if there was truth in what was being said to them. And so we're calling you to be Bereans today, to go home together as a husband and wife, search the word, and see what it has to say about your marriage. See what it has to say about how things are handled in your household. We want you to involve God in your, all your decisions 
So that means you have to pray together. If you're not praying together, you need to start. You need to start. Um, We want you to sit down and look at what the Word says about biblical boundaries for arguments. Greg and I have not attained, I have bad news for everybody who thinks we have a perfect marriage, we have not yet attained, we are trying, but we have boundaries for fighting so that we don't, when we, do we fight? Okay, I want you to notice, I have the lapel mic because I'm Sicilian. And if I cannot use my hands to talk to you, I can't talk. Okay? Our life is like that. Honey, honey, honey. I have the lapel. He has the handheld. None of this is in the notes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, so. (laughs) But we, the boundaries, it says don't call somebody a fool. So you don't call your mate. Your, your spouse, names. You don't personally attack them so that when they're done, they feel like they've been beat up and kicked to the curb. Okay? And that goes for all our relationships. Search the word. See what it has to say about having disagreements and how what kind of boundaries you need to set around those disagreements. Use the word and prayer to resolve those disputes. You know, I'll get to that later. <laughs> Go beyond Sunday and get involved in ministry. Because if the only time you're handling God inside of your marriage is when you walk through these doors, you're not going to have a strong marriage. The world is going to pull you in, pull you down, and drag you back. You've got to get involved in ministry and give out. And then finally, recognize that what we're talking about here is truly a focus. It's truly an effort. I'm not, we called it homework there. And I don't want to refer to my interaction, my choice of interaction with my wife as work necessarily. But what I do want to point out is, that I have to constantly be aware of who I am interacting with. That is, this helper that God has given me. So I'm going to do this all the time, recognizing that, yeah, we call it homework, but this is, what I, this is one of the things that I, as a husband, praise God, am called to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of what God can Give me grace to do, so. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't think that was good. I think that was a good no. statement. <laughs> All right. Okay, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to call you this, this from here on to change your perspective about your spouse. This helper that God has given me. Um, One of the things that the world has done to marriage that has devalued marriage in many ways is the world is trying to have us apply a contract standard, that is a, uh, a performance standard, to this relationship. 
Because if Marietta does something, then everything's okay. We're working back and forth. She's doing for me. I'm doing for her. her. And as long as that we're both working together, it's a contract. It's a performance. We're good. That's not what the Word says. The Word says that this relationship is actually a covenant relationship. doesn't have anything to do with performance. I am in this relationship, and in a covenant, it is up to me to do what I need to do to perform, no matter what Marietta is, how she's acting. Okay? That's the standard of a God-breathed relationship. That's the standard of a God-breathed relationship is a covenant standard. And we see this time and time in the scriptures, and I could go on and on about covenant. But this relationship that I have with Marietta is a covenant, not a contract, not performance-driven, and it's not dependent on what Marietta is doing in regards to how I perform the covenant. A contract, if the other person, one of you doesn't perform, it's broken. You don't have that choice in a marriage. Does everybody get that? Say, I don't have that choice in my marriage. Amen. So um, your spouse, whether you want to believe it or not, was created equally with you. We are both reflections of God's attributes. We don't have the same one. We have different ones. Eve, she wasn't a separate entity that was made out of the dust. She came out of him. God chose to create her out of him, not out of the dust. They have and split off the two attributes, the, the different attributes of God. What was in one, Adam, became two. And when you're married, the two come back together and become one. Okay, so you have to look at that person that you're married to or as the person that you're looking to marry. If you can't look at him this way, don't marry, marry him. As a reflection of the attributes of God. Then came the fall, and we have a whole other set of things to deal with. But you've got to remember that they're a reflection of God. We were created in his image, male and female. He created them. Um, we want to esteem each other better than ourselves. If Greg always treats me really good, and I always treat him really good, then, you know, we're not going to fight too often. What happens is one of us decides that we want to be selfish. I, you know, I want him to go get me a Dr. Pepper at the store, and I can't understand why he won't leave the office and his job and run to the store and get me a Dr. Pepper. Okay? You know, I'm, it's a silly thing, but the truth of the matter is fights that last weeks and days start with something little, with somebody wanting to be selfish. That's where they start. So if we're always trying to put the other person first, then we don't have that problem of, you're still going to, you know, you, the enemy will still find a way because he doesn't like it when you're happy, but we're not going to have that problem near as often, and especially not over the little things. Philippians 2.3 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in lowliness and humbleness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Here's another falsehood that the world will teach you. And really, youth, you need to hear this very well. So I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'll come over there. Go over there. Um, <laughs> you hear, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming over. You hear the world talk about love as a feeling, and that's absolutely wrong. The word commands love time and time and time again. Love is commanded. So when I look at my wife, I have to recognize that it may not be about how I'm feeling about her at the time, but it's all about how I am going to obey the commandment that I have a charge to love her and esteem her as better than, than myself. So it's a choice. Love is a choice. Love is an action. God didn't send Jesus because he was feeling like it, because he was emotional about it. God sent Jesus because he wanted to be actionable about redeeming the relationship with a fallen man. Being number three is all about perspective. From my standpoint, I can be number two. Or I can choose to let Greg be number three, or me to be number three. <laughs> let Greg be number two. I think he's number three a lot. But, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. But the truth of the matter is that I have, from my perspective, I have a choice to see myself as number two or Greg as number two. I have to change my perspective and see him as number two if we're going to have a healthy marriage. Okay, we want to cover our spouse's shortcomings, okay? This is no talking about them behind their back, basically. This is not getting in to um, uncovering their sins. You don't go tell your family and your girlfriends everything your husband did because you're going to make up with them. And I'm talking to the women because we do this more than the men do it to us. Because you're going to make up with your husband, and your girlfriend is going to hate your husband. Your mother is going to hate your husband. She's not going to treat him good anymore. He ain't ain't good enough for her daughter anymore. Not going to treat her well because you talked bad about your husband to your mom. And you set her expectation of him. He's a dog. Don't talk bad about your husband. And and men, don't be talking bad about your wife either because it will get back to us. You know, I have to I have to tell you that right now I'm just standing up here, you know, and it's like I'm watching a drive-by or something. <laughs> Proverbs 10:11 says, "Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins." And Proverbs 17:9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates friends. This is my best friend right here. If you're my girlfriend, you know that he is my best friend. He is my best friend. 
When I want to talk, girl talk, that, you know, like talk about, I talk to him. I don't talk, to, I don't say anything bad to other people. If I have to get things off my chest, I talk to him. He is my best friend. And I am his cheerleader. I, I don't, I, you know what, I didn't hear a whole lot of men amening that. I am his cheerleader. Do you guys want your wives to be cheerleaders? you got to tell them what you want. Don't let them read your mind. No, no, it's your turn right here. You're here. And finally, um, as Marietta is talking about, uh, we need to make sure that we're receiving our, our spouse as the gift that God intended for us to have. And so when I look at Marietta, that's exactly what I want to do. First Peter 3 says that if I'm receiving and I'm dwelling with my wife and understanding, giving honor to her, that there is an actual blessing from God that comes from that. So I keep that in mind, First Peter 3, 7. I keep that in mind as I'm interacting with Marietta. Do I get it right all the time? No. But I try to remember that there is a blessing from my dwelling with my wife and understanding. Now, ladies, sometimes you have to tell them that you're, you want them to put on the girlfriend hat because they don't get that. So make sure that for them to dwell with us in understanding, they know that there's nothing to be solved. You just need to talk it out. Been there? Okay. Okay. Um, you do this. All right. We're going to challenge you today. We're going to pick up the pace here a little bit because we've got some things to cover. Um, change your perspective about your future. Here's what we mean by that. You, if you cannot let go of the past, if you cannot get to a point of forgiveness about things, then you're allowing the enemy to hijack your future. Pastor Allen quotes a, a African proverb that says that if I, the man that I do not forgive has my happiness in his pocket. And that's what we're talking about in this relationship as well. I've got to get to a point, in order to have a good future, I have to be able to turn away and lay down the past just like God has done that for me. Microsoft. Okay. There's a – last year – this is a true story. You can look it up. You can find it all over the Internet. Uh, this couple has been married 77 years. He's 99 years old. They had something really significant happen last year. He went up in his attic. They're in Italy. He went up in the attic, kind of cleaned it out, getting old, wanted to get rid of some junk. And he found some letters dated from 1940 that his wife had written to another man. And when he confronted her with the letters, he, he, she admitted that in 1940, she had had an affair with someone else. Last year, after 77 years of marriage, he filed for divorce because he couldn't leave the past behind and she couldn't change his mind. His name is Antonio and her name is Rosa. They have five children, ten grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. We are commanded to forgive. 
It's not a feeling. It's a choice, an action. It's something we do because God did it for us. You know, it says, the word, Luke 6 says, forgive and you will be forgiven. And we want that forgiveness for Christ. But so often, we want justice for others and mercy for ourselves. Did you hear that? We want justice for others, but he and mercy for ourselves. Um, We're supposed to forgive without being asked. We're supposed to forgive without a price. Christ Christ paid the price on the cross for your sins, and you're going to make your spouse pay another price for their sins, something different? We forgive without a price. It's constant and without boundaries. We don't, we, we, First Corinthians, and it says, you know, it keeps no record of wrongs in the NIV. Some, are tra- some places translated that. Um, it doesn't think any evil. But if you look back to the Greek word, the Greek word means to count, compute, calculate, count over, to pass into one's account, to impute, to count up and weigh the reasons. We don't keep track of wrongs in a marriage. When you move, if you don't address it when it happens, Greg and I have, this is one of our roles. If you don't address it when it takes place or soon thereafter if we're with other people, we lose the right to address it. We just got to let it go. And not worth fighting about a week later. Right. And if you're going to hold something for a week, you should have said something the week before. Or 77 years. Yeah, or 77 years ago. Isn't that sad? And um, the very last thing, speak positively about your spouse. And we're not going to go into a lot of detail about that because Carrie Kirkwood brought an awesome message here about blesses, blessings and cursings. Not cussings, cursings, curses. And if you weren't here, you need to get that, uh, either listen to it on the podcast or get the uh, CD of it. It's an awesome word on blessings, and you can apply that to your marriage and every relationship. What we're talking about today is changing your perspective, changing your perspective on marriage, changing your perspective in terms of how you view your spouse, changing your perspective on your future and getting to a point of forgiveness and speaking blessing into this relationship. Um, these are powerful principles, and I want to introduce you to a couple that um, have had the opportunity to walk through some of these truths that we're talking about today. I'd like to introduce you to Henry and Jill Brown. Awesome. And they're going to testify. This is my beautiful bride, Jill, and I'm third. No, I'm third. <laughs> uh, Greg asked us to uh, share a little bit of our testimony with you, so we're going to try to keep it below 10 minutes. So there's a lot, but 
we're going to keep it for 10 minutes. You guys can go to lunch today. I bet you'd appreciate that. Um, a brief history of, of where we come from, what we were going through. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, we were at the end of our rope. Of course, nobody here would have noticed it because we hit it so well. Sorry. Um, both of us had brought baggage into a relationship from a previous marriage. You know, had been we'd both been divorced over 15 years ago, so we uh, we still carried all that baggage with us for a long time, and we had both of us have uh, pretty bad family lives with our parents and and siblings and stuff. So we we brought that into our marriage as well. And I know a lot of you guys probably can relate to that. Uh, I hope not, but probably so. Uh, and then we bring all that into We also brought a lot of woundings to each other. I wounded her and she, she wounded me. I was being selfish. She was being selfish because we all wanted everything our own way. And uh, that's not God's way. Yeah, we had spent basically our whole marriage um, in learned behaviors. Things that we had learned from our homes growing up, it was bad. It was not God's way. It wasn't God's word. And we were selfish. And when you get to a point where you're so wounded after so many years that you do want things to go your way all the time, and if I don't get my way, I'm going to pout, I'm going to punish you, and I'm going to talk bad about you, and I'm going to you know, do all this stuff that we're not supposed to do. And look at the space that's in between us. And that's where we were. So um, about October of 2010, uh, I, um, I had gone to uh, Marietta, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. How, how many women, <laughs> is that your mantra when things don't go your way? I'm done. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I was. I was done. I was angry. Um, we had started a business uh, earlier that year, and it put on, um, just intensified the stress that we were under, along with all the things that we had neglected for so long. And so um, we, were, uh, we were first. I was first. And I couldn't understand him, and I didn't understand why he didn't want to spend time with me and fix my problems and make me feel good and love and warm and fuzzy all the time. Um, so, yeah. That's where we were. Right before uh, Jill had spoke to Marietta, we, I was, you know, we just started the business, like she was saying. We had a mountain load of debt. I had stress just piled on and piled on. My, my goal was to get the business paid off and earn the ring. Very goal-oriented. Um, as you can see, I got the ring. <laughs> but... Uh, Whenever we went to Greg and Marietta, and uh, we went through some pretty intense uh, learning, I'll, I'll put it that way, we, uh, we got a fresh look of what the covenant looked like between, or what the covenant was supposed to look like between God and his children in man and wife. What we... Uh, what we found was we had to lay down our selfishness and our pride. And for me, that was pretty hard. I was a pretty prideful man. Um, sometimes it still seeps out, and we try to keep that under control. But uh, 
we, we learned how to follow the direction that the Lord has for us. While we were out, we found this rock. This is not in our notes, but it's important to me. We found this rock that was, it looked like it was two rocks that kind of looked like a puzzle. And whenever we picked up this rock, Well, we realized that the rock was connected as one piece underneath the ground where you couldn't see. But from the top looking down on the ground, it was two pieces. And so, yeah, (laughs) we said we were going to get through this without any tears, but we lied. (laughs) That rock sits on our fireplace today to remind us that as individuals, we, we have a foundation in Christ because we choose to follow him. We choose to honor that covenant that we have made with him. But we are also grounded in him. He is our foundation because he made this covenant between us and we chose to walk in it. We chose to be in it. So just like the rock signifies, we are one. And that's what the core of three strands is. It's, it's Christ in us, and in that covenant relationship, we really are one flesh. So it's no longer I or she, but we. One more thing. (laughs) During our um, intervention, I like to call it, with Greg and Marietta's ministry, we went through through a lot of scriptures that we had kind of forgotten about. Um, We read some things that... um, you know, that we, that we did need um, a change in perspective. We needed a different mindset about who we are in Christ and who we are to each other in Christ. Um, and, I, and for me, the thing that I needed the most from my husband was to be cherished. To put me first over the job. To put me first over the football game. Of course, (laughs) Henry doesn't watch football. Thank God. (laughs) Okay. So, ladies, I I just want to speak to you for a minute. You know, we can grow up feeling insignificant. Um, We all know that that depends on our relationship mostly with our fathers. Okay. And, And what... We see in our dads and how they treat our our mothers uh, is a huge reflection on our hearts and who we are. And so, um, you know, I needed to start looking at God and and seeing what he said about me and who I am to him. And the minute I let go of all of that was when my husband sat across the table from me, and he hadn't even known that that was my deepest need at that point. And he said, I feel like my wife needs me to cherish her. And at that moment, the Lord healed me of a ton, years and years of woundings and baggage. And I saw him speaking to me, his love for me through my husband. And that gave me a deep desire to love him back. So what we needed in our lives to change, to, uh, to put our lives back in perspective, was a renewed commitment to Christ. So we basically we renewed our vows to each other, and we renewed our vows to God.
Um, and then we had to have a willingness to make an effort. It's a daily process. It's not something that you do one time and boom, God's healed your marriage and, and you're perfect. I'm sorry, it don't happen that way. It's, it's every single day we have to recommit to our wives and we have to recommit to being third. We have to put them first before ourselves. And we have to have the humility. So humble yourselves in the sight of God and in the sight of your wife, in the sight of your spouse. And the results, basically, we have a, a good relationship. I love her. She loves me. We're still together. Back about two years ago, we had a, a pastor come up here, Ron Stamen, and he prophesied over our lives, and he told us that we had the spirit of adoption upon us. And, of course, you know, we're thinking, oh, we're going to adopt another child or something like that. Well, just like Greg Mary had said earlier, you know, whenever you start making that commitment and everything, get into ministry. Well, the Lord has given us 40-something kids now. <laughs> We love every one of them. They're Amen. awesome. Amen. Amen. So don't be afraid to be third because the results and the rewards are phenomenal. They're out of this world. And we are very happy, and God's doing some wonderful things in our lives. Um, we're here, and we're with our family, and, uh, and it's just fabulous. And we're not done yet. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and I'm going to turn the service over to Pastor Allen because we are going to have a, an opportunity right now to, for a couple and multiple couples, uh, if God leads you, to renew your vows. It's my honor and privilege in the next couple minutes to uh, have a uh, renewal of vows for Jeff and Emma Crane. Can you come forward? We're assembled here in the presence of God and this company of loved ones to join this man and this woman in the bonds of holy matrimony. Scriptures challenge us with the sacredness of marriage. Human history as we know it in the Bible begins with a wedding. And human history as we understand it is going to a wedding when Jesus is joined with his bride. And he performed his first miracle at a wedding when he turned water into wine. Over 180 gallons, I think it was. I don't know how many bottles that would be, but he blessed a wedding immensely. And if you're here today and you'd like to renew your vows, we invite you at this time to stand. Stand with your wife and uh, do it. Amen. The sacredness of marriage is special. The foundation of marriage is love. It's more than a feeling. It's a commitment for life.
A union setting forth such an ideal is not to be entered into hastily or without due consideration, but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, and in the fear of our Heavenly Father. I'm sure you want to do this. All right. Jeff, turn and face Emma and take her right hand in yours, your right hand. Do you, Jeff, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to love and respect her, to honor and cherish her in health and in sickness, in prosperity and in adversity, and leaving all others, keeping yourself only unto her, so long as you both shall live from this day forward. you, Emma, in like manner solemnly agreed to receive this man, Jeff, as your lawful wedded husband, to love and respect him, to live with him in all faith and tenderness, in health and in sickness, in prosperity and in adversity, and leaving all others keeping yourself only unto him so long as you both shall live from this day forward. By the power invested in me from this local church in the state of Texas, I pronounce you husband and wife. Groom, you may kiss your bride. Give him a kiss. some truths that not only can you apply in your marriage covenant relationship but in other relationships as well I want you to know one thing God is a God that loves relationships and God is a God that wants to be reconciled and wants reconciliation for relationships as well and then God is a God praise God of restoration. And so no matter where you're at, God can have you move from that place and move you into a restored place where you can actually have a future that He can use to build His kingdom. So what I'd like to do right now is 
I'm going to have Pastor Alan pronounce a blessing over all of us. If we could have the ministry team come forward, I want Mary Evan to say a couple of things as well. If you don't know what we—if you don't know the Jesus that we've been talking about today, making the center of your relationship, and you don't understand how He gets there today, I invite you to come forward. Have one of the people up here—they're all totally qualified by God, ordained as ministers to the people by God and ask them. They'll be happy to share how you make Jesus the center of your life. And if he's not the center of your marriage today, you haven't been walking in a full, full, I am third relationship with your spouse, or you want to rededicate that, your marriage to, to the Lord today, we invite you to come forward and get prayer from any of the people that are up here. If your child is in a marriage that's in trouble and you want prayer for them, we invite you to come forward for that as well. And we are so glad that you were here today. Amen. Amen. We have Pastor Allen pronounce a blessing over us as he does. And as we close out this service, feel free to come up and receive prayer. Can you repeat after me? Jesus is first. Jesus is first. And you are second. And you are second. And I am third. I am third. Could the couple stand again? I want to pronounce this blessing over you. I wrote it for my children's weddings. It's for your blessing. May God grant you wisdom, power, and provision, and steps that always bear fruit. Free from division, may He give you peace as his will is your constant pursuit. May the Lord be your guide as you always decide to follow his plans for your lives. And may none cut asunder those God joins together, his purpose for husbands and wives. And may your home be a haven, a picture of heaven where praise is the true way of life And may your house fill with laughter, both now and hereafter, where hurt never turns into strife. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may shalom be the character of your home. In Jesus' name.